Grambling State is investing in the West. The Florida HBCU Mega Camp is a great precedent to set. And Alabama State is your 2022 SWAC baseball champions. Oh, yeah. It's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And I want to talk about Grambling because Grambling is investing in the West. Yes, I think that this is something that truly did surprise me. And that's how much of a concerted effort that Grambling is putting on players who are just on the West Coast, period, right? We're not talking about high school guys specifically. We're not talking about JUCO, JUCO guys specifically. We're not talking about FBS transfers specifically. We're really speaking about all of them. And it feels as if there is a purpose. And it could be Hugh Jackson. We have to remember that he did spend time at USC. So maybe it's that connection to the West Coast from his time over there. But there just feels more effort to having a West Coast or just West, not even just the ones on the coast, but just the Western presence at Grambling. And to me, the West is kind of untapped territory as far as HBCU goes. And that's because there's not HBCUs over there. If you remember when Chris Paul had his um, HBCU basketball showcase, it was in Phoenix. And part of that had to do with the fact that he's playing on the Suns, of course. But another part of that had to do with the fact that he understands there's not HBCUs on that side of the country. So with not having HBCUs out there, there's just somewhat of a lack of awareness from some people, not all people, but from some people. There just is not the awareness about HBCUs because it's not a local thing, right? So he wanted to make sure that you showcased or that he showcased HBCU culture, HBCU athletics to players or students because you know it's not just players that are going to be watching this and saying they want to go it's also going to be students and it was just bringing awareness to a place where awareness may not been at a high as far as hbcus goes actually funny story about the west coast and sports and everything it has to do with me and one time i finessed my way into this high school event in la like for la high schoolers now at the time i didn't understand that it was for high schoolers or people specifically in la and i will tell you i had graduated college at this time i've never even been to la in my life i'm definitely not an la senior or la junior i'm not but it was an nfl network event and i see i wanted to be there so i wouldn't i was gonna apply and i was able to get my way in there and that's how i was able to meet mj acosta i was able to meet steve white we know Steve Weich got on the show. So I like to think that doing that, this was before I was a host of Locked On HBCU. I like to think doing that set some things in motion and maybe, you know, it didn't get Steve on the show, but I do like to think it made things go really well. That's just a quick West Coast story for me. Um, 
I didn't get the food that they sent out to everybody else who lived in LA, but whatever. It was just me and one other person who weren't in high school, but that's neither here nor there. That was just a quick little story, a little quick little tangent. Let's get back to this. The West is untapped territory to me. So when you look at a lot of HBCU rosters, typically what I see, and I don't look at all of them, but when I look at most of them, I see local athletes. I see athletes from the state the school is in, neighboring states. You know, so if you go to Grambling, it's going to be a lot of people from Louisiana. Going to get a good amount of people from Texas as well. You know, you might even get a couple of people from Mississippi, right? But for the most part, it's a centralized, it's a local recruiting base, especially when they're guys coming out of high school. But that's what I tend to notice. And last year, I think they had three players who either were from California or not even just California, because I don't want to make this specifically California, though nearly every player we're about to list as far as the concerted effort is from California, but it's not the, the Western California. Y'all can't see. I got a map right here. There's a lot of states that are in the West. We know this. I think they had three players total that are from the West, whether that was high school students, whether that was their uh, you know hometown, or just somebody who was from the South, I believe, and then had went to school on the West. So for the most part, there just was not a West Coast presence. Now you look at what they've done here, they are completely investing in the West. And one of the latest people is Ryan Peppins. So with Ryan Peppins, he came from Utah, but he is from Birmingham. I believe he's from Birmingham, but he's from Alabama. So he's a down South kid, but he went to Utah. This is what I mean. So he's the only one that does not have the California tie, but he is just one of seven. I'm talking about seven people. That's in-state type focus. You're going to have a lot more in-state prospects. But to get seven prospects from California when you're in Louisiana is some real focus. And that really tells me that there was purpose behind it. I don't think this was accidental, whether that was Hugh Jackson's experience on the West Coast or maybe just realizing that there's players out there that they need to tap in. There was a concerted effort to invest in the West, whether that was recruiting high school students, Juco transfers, FBS guys. Let's get into this list of players. And like I said, the rest of these guys all have California ties. So you're looking at Tyson Bordeaux, and he's out of California. He's a freshman out of California. Jamal Houston, he's from California, went to Riverside City College. Noah Bean, he's from California, but he came from University of Nevada or Nevada, Las Vegas, right? So now you finally got to the first guy who did not come from California directly, but he's still, that's still his hometown. You look at J.R. Waters from California, came from Oregon. You look at Kajaya Holloway from California, came from UCLA. You look at Floyd Chalk. He's a, he's a freshman, came from California. That's six guys right there, all from, or all with California roots. Three of those guys are FBS transfers who had high school roots in California, but maybe didn't go elsewhere or maybe didn't stay in California. Holloway did with UCLA, but the other two didn't. But those schools that they came from are still a part of the West. Oregon, UNLV, those are still part of the West. And you got two freshmen, and you also have a, a transfer JUCO guy from California. This is not accidental. This is not, oh, well, we just happened to get a lot of guys. No, I think this was a concerted effort. I can't remember who pointed this out on Twitter. I was just scrolling one day, and I seen somebody point this out. So I did a little bit of digging, and when I did the digging, I was absolutely surprised because I'm just not used to seeing this many players from a state that far away. It was a big deal when Jackson State got a couple of players from Georgia. And they 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 not far at all. Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, right? 
So they're just two states apart. And I remember when they actually had, I think, like five players in recruited, like five players from Georgia. I was like, oh, okay. And that was abnormal. It's a very centralized thing when you look at HBC recruiting from the rosters that I've seen. And I've seen a decent amount. That's what I've noticed. This is a great way to break the mold. Let's look at Pepin specifically because he is, I guess, the latest guy. Pepin's 5'9", five, 5'8", five, about a buck uh, 50. So he's not the biggest guy in the world. You're hoping that he's a dynamite type of player. And he was missed at football in Alabama. The first wide receiver to achieve that since Julio Jones. Had over 1,000 yards his last two seasons. Had three straight state championships. So you're hoping that that success that he had in high school continues. He just went to Utah for a semester. He just graduated this year, but he was an early enrollee. So he has no collegiate tread on his tires. He has all of his eligibility. He has all of those things. So you're looking at a situation where you're getting four years out of him. He went to the spring spring practice in Utah, but all of his eligibility is still there. I'll be very interested to see because of those players that I just named with California roots, you have Peppins, of course, right? But then you also have Kajaya Holloway, who came from California, went to UCLA. I think if he doesn't have all four, he has three years of his eligibility. That could be a dynamic duo right there. I'm just saying, maybe you got the California or the West Coast roots. We'll see California, Utah, bring it down to Louisiana. We'll see what it's going to be. But that is definitely something to be out for or be on the lookout for. Another thing to look out for is the rise of HBCU mega camps. We have two on the way, but we also just got done with the Florida HBCU mega camp. And, oh my gosh, this was a great precedent to set. I loved it. I'll tell you about that and why I think it's something that needs to continue in some extra addition. And it doesn't have to specifically be for this camp, but going forward, I think it would be even better. But before I get into that, I want to tell you about Rock Auto because if you have any problems, any issues with your car, or you're just doing basic maintenance, Rock Auto is the place to be. I get tired of going to the auto parts store and they're trying to, what to me feels like overcharging. I've seen the prices on Rock Auto, so I know what they're charging me. And I even get even more upset when they're only giving me one option. Yeah, we understand that you need this side mirror, this is the only one we have. No, I don't. Give me options. Rock Auto always gives me options. In addition to giving me the options, they also give me the options at 30, 50, 70% cheaper than I would have, have had them at this auto parts store. So I'm getting multiple options. I'm getting to save money. I'm getting to do it from the comfort of my home on my laptop. What else do I need? I, 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 what else do I need to feel like Rock Auto is the place to be? I'm saving money. I'm getting comfortable. Nobody's going to rush me. I can take however long I want on my laptop in my house. Sign me up right now. Sign yourself up right now and make sure that you put locked on in the how did you hear about us section. All right, so keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. For real, I appreciate that. Now I have a favor to ask of you. Here at the Locked on Podcast Network, we've created a survey because we want to learn more about listeners like you. We want to be able to make your favorite podcast even better. So this is your opportunity to tell us what you like and what you don't like about Locked on Podcast. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long. And everybody that completes the survey can qualify for a chance to win one of the 10 dollars 
Ticketmaster gift cards. You can get $100 in your pocket with this. All right. So to take our audience survey, go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey, and I appreciate your help. So today's word of the day is ephemeral, and it means lasting a very short time. I want to talk about the Florida HBCU mega camp. I think that this is a great precedent to set, a precedent, excuse me, to set. And that precedent is that, forget the division, HBCU football is a real brand in and of itself that just consists of a lot of schools. But the HBCU brand in and of itself is powerful and should be uplifted. And I think that's what it sets because it says, forget all the schools that are in between. Forget, I don't care if you're a fan fan. I don't care if you're a Tuskegee guy. I don't care if you're Albany State. I don't care if you Norfolk State. Doesn't matter. HBCU football is a brand. And I noticed that I was talking to our guy, Ross Locked on Saints. Make sure you're checking him out because absolutely phenomenal job covering everything that the Saints are doing in OTAs. We had DeAnderson out there. We had CJ Holmes out there, right? So I heard great things about DeAnderson. But I was talking to Ross and we were just talking about in college, there's just this idea of camaraderie around the brand. SEC schools, you know, when bowl season comes around. I feel, but okay, so yeah, SEC schools, all power power, right? You know, whatever, we don't need to go over that. But I feel like they have it around bowl season. HBCUs have it all year. We have our spats when we actually play. But you know what I'm saying? It's all family at the end of the day. I, that's how I truly feel where, there's, I feel like there's a lot of people, whether that's social media, whether that's school, whether that's coaches, doesn't matter. There's a lot of people who are trying to uplift the HBCU brand, and that's what this HBCU mega camp truly is to me. Now, Florida is in the name, so let's be very clear. It was the whole state of Florida, and it's not for a specific school or anything. It's not that. There's going to be more camps. There's going to be a north camp. I think that's going to be at Central, I think, and I think that the south camp is going to be at Morehouse. So there's going to be more camps. But this one was in Florida, and I think it's a great start because you had Edward Edward Waters there. You have Florida Memorial. You have FAMU. You have Bethune-Cookman. So you had all of those schools. There's the whole state of Florida. All the HBCUs in Florida, D1 schools, D2 schools, NAIA schools. You have so many levels that are represented here. I'm like, oh, this is where it's at. This is exactly what we need to do. And it's easy to sit there and run a camp for yourself. FAMU could go run a camp. Bethune could run a camp. They could all run camps for themselves, but instead of running individual camps, they they came together. And I don't see this happen off. If this happens, correct me in the comments, but I don't see this happen often where there is a statewide camp where the two big schools come together. I'm not asking for Alabama and Auburn to come together. I think that's ridiculous. I would never see that. The only time I can see Alabama and Auburn coming together is when we have a crossover on the Locked On Network. Other than that, I just don't see that happening, and I wouldn't ask them to. But they're also not trying to build a brand of SEC or raise a, a brand, I should say, because the HBCU brand is built. They're not trying to raise and elevate a brand of the SEC football. They're not doing that. So it wouldn't make sense to me. But FAMU and Bethune-Cookman put their differences to the side and say, yeah, we're competing for the same athletes, whatever. But that's not what it's about. It's not about any school. It's not about Edward Waters. It's not about Florida Memorial. It's about HBCUs in Florida. That's it. So when you see that situation, and everybody can put the, their differences to the side. I love it because it's not about, oh, well, we want to see what fam. I know they're recruiting, but it's not like fam saying, oh, we want to see what we can get out of that running back. And that's why we're bringing them here. Or that running back, like, I want to go to fam for sure. No, a lot of these guys, A, just want the HBCU look. 
They they appreciate the aesthetic. They appreciate the culture. So they're just trying to do that. But also, they're just going. 14 other schools were there. 14 other HBCUs were there. Now, one thing that I feel like I would love to see in the future, not for this specific camp, it would have to be a different camp. And it doesn't have to be an HBCU you know, name on it or anything. But I would love to see some of these PWIs, some of these bigger schools partner with the HBCU. I just think it would be great because there are people on the fence. There's a stigma, you know, whether we want to admit it or not, there's a stigma that goes along with certain HBCUs. Or with, let me back that up. There's a stigma that goes with HBCUs to certain people. All right. It's not individual HBCUs, but there's certain people who feel a certain kind of way, but they're not concrete in their beliefs. There's always going to be 20 percent here, 20 percent there. And it's about taking that extra 60 in between. You know, you're always going to have people who are stuck in their ways positively, stuck in their ways negatively. But that middle group, they can often be swayed. So we're trying to sway those people. And I think that some of those will come over with, you know, they ain't asking for Florida, maybe just USF, Florida in the national. You know, just things like that, where there's nothing wrong with backing up HBCUs and HBCUs shouldn't run away. I'm talking to the fans now. We should not run away from the idea of assistance and backing from some of these bigger PWI schools. We shouldn't. I don't think it's a I've seen somebody talk about white savior or whatever. I don't think that's the case. Right. We don't need to have that that me mentality, in my opinion, to where it's got to be done alone. A lot of times it's just more exposure. And I think that would be great. So you're bringing in some more talent. But overall, this is a great start. And if they don't join in, I don't care. You know, it don't matter because they've gotten off to a good start. We talked to Willie Simmons, 14 other schools are there. You know, I'm glad I know they're happy because it made their, you know, recruiting a lot easier because you can just look and be like, OK, these are the Juco guys. These are the freshmen or incoming freshmen and whatever. They're all located here in the same place. So I know that they were happy that they were able to, you know, kind of cut down on um recruiting and whatnot but overall you had like 50 people pre-register i think like 70 something uh walk up i think that those were his numbers they weren't don't quote me um but him and miss floyd had a phenomenal interview by the way you guys should check that out on her uh on her twitter on the twitter right so but overall this was a great event i know that the one in in central i know that the one in morehouse they're going to be great events as well it hasn't came up yet but this was a phenomenal start. So let's give a shout out. Bam. Bethune. Edward Waters. Florida Memorial. I appreciate all of you. I can't wait to see this keep going. This is what more schools should do. I need more schools. More Texas schools. All right? PV. Texas Southern. Right? Let's get some more of these schools out here. Alabama. You got Alabama A&M. Alabama State. Tuskegee. Let's get all of these schools going. And let's get some of these statewide camps. I remember when Mississippi... Uh, it was just the D1 ones in the swag, of course. But Mississippi did a statewide pro day. It's a phenomenal event. I think it would be great. I think they was I think they would really benefit from that doing doing that in um a, a camp, a Mississippi camp. All of these states should try to do these type of things. And I know the schools will flock there as well. I think this will be an, a phenomenal opportunity. And the camp itself is only a couple of hours. So it's an ephemeral, I hope I got that right. It's an ephemeral camp, right? Don't last long. But the impact of it will be felt for a long, long time. Now, going forward, we're going to be talking about Alabama State because they are your SWAC baseball champions. And we're going to see their road there, the game itself, and then also what's next for the Hornets. But before we get into that, let me tell you about Bet Online. The NBA Finals are here. 
It's tomorrow. Today's Wednesday. It's tomorrow. So ain't no more waiting around. If you want to put your money down, you need to do it on Bet Online. I talked about a friend a long time ago who they didn't bet on Bet Online, and I think that's why they lost. I believe in karma. Bet Online would have got you that dub. Bet Online would have got you the money. So do the right thing for karma. Bet on the NBA Finals. You got the Celtics, the Warriors, Thursday, over under for each individual player, just the overall game, who's going to win. It's all of that. You want to bet on NFL futures? You got that. MLB, you got that. You want to bet on your favorite Vegas casino games and esports? They got that. It's really that simple. They are the most versatile place. They are also the fastest and easiest. What a wage on all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. As wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I want to give a shout out to all of my YouTube watchers who are just watching this one little curl droop down like Superman here. Uh, we need more black superheroes. Shout out Westside Boogie. Um, but let's continue the show. Let's wrap it up talking about Alabama State. I can't miss a chance to get a music reference in. I'm sorry. I, I love it. I love it. But let's wrap up the show talking about Alabama State. They are your 2022 SWAC baseball champions, and they just knocked off Southern in a long game. I mean, this game, the normal baseball game, nine innings. But this is the SWAT championship. So it's only right that we don't go the full nine innings, right? That's only logically, that's the only thing that makes sense. Is that we wouldn't just or not not go the full nine innings, but we have to go over nine innings. Because it's, it's a special game. This ain't a regular game. But they went to 14 innings. This game took four hours and 53 minutes to decide the champion. But look, ain't no stopping no we got to decide who this champion is going to be it took nearly five hours that's two that's two nice size movies right i could watch i could probably watch dr strange and i could watch the last spider-man in the time that this move that this game took but it was worth it because there's great content out there great baseball i won't say great football great baseball being displayed on the field on the diamond and this was a situation where you had the two best teams in their division. Southern was the best team in the West. Alabama State was the best team in the East. So now this is how it's supposed to be. We always envision that the championship game is the two best teams. And that's what happened. You had the head dog in the East, head dog in the West. That's what you had going toe-to-toe. And actually, Southern had actually beat Alabama State in the very first game of the season for the Hornets. So this was a little bit of revenge, too. This is a little bit of revenge for them. Now, you look at Breon, put what? Let me get a, the, the score. It would end up being 6-5. 14 innings, 6-5. So you're not seeing a lot of scoring. And that's evident by the fact that Breon Pooler ended up winning the SWAC tournament MVP. He was the pitcher. So you're looking at a situation where there's not a lot of scoring, playing some good defense, pitching good, fielding good. And now you have a 6-5 total. He had a 10-2 record on the season, consistently been one of the best pitchers in the SWAT all year. And he was one of the four, one of the four pitchers that the Hornets actually walked out for this game. And when you look at how scoring happened, it's almost as if they kept scoring together. Of course, Alabama State had to score the last run in the 14th inning, and the, and the Southern Jaguars just didn't score in that. But for the most part, you're seeing back-to-back scoring. It's 6-5. Both teams scored in the 13th inning. 
Both teams scored in the first inning and both teams scored in the seventh inning. So you're looking at three runs apiece on each side being scored in the same inning. So it was kind of like a continuous answer back. Like, okay, we kind of chilling, but psh, you shot, I'm a shot back. I'm a shoot back. Just that simple. And in addition to that, you also had in the second, third, and fourth, they didn't score in the same inning, but they alternated. So you had two, three, four. I think it went, I think it went Southern, Bama State, then Southern. And Alabama State actually opened up with two runs, right? So they had a 2-0 lead at the very beginning. But that's what you're looking at. You're looking at situations where, so when I said three on each side, it was actually four for Alabama State and three for Southern. So it's really a situation where you fire, I'm going to answer back. And that's what we saw. But for the most part, it was good. It was good pitching, good fielding. They were struggling to really score. But after a while, they ended up breaking. And I think Alabama, and Alabama State, excuse me, ended up winning on a double play. Now, like I said, Alabama State had been the best team in the in the East. And they've been the best team in the SWAC all year. The only two teams who really gave them fits and gave them multiple losses was Fam and Bethune. So it was something about them Florida teams that gave them issues, but they got fam. I mean, they got Bethune up out of here. They knocked off Bethune twice on the way to the championship. So though they struggled in a regular season, and I think they ended up going three and three against Bethune Cookman. And that was a, a, a team that they really struggled against in comparison, in comparison to everybody else. Now, when they got to the championship or in the tournament, that was gone. So what's next? What's next? They'll be facing Tennessee in the Knoxville Regionals. And it's a double elimination situation. So the first games are, or the games are going to be Tennessee versus Alabama State, Georgia Tech versus Campbell. And the winner of game of these games will face each other. The loser of these games will face each other. And you're looking at a, one of the best teams in the country in Tennessee. So it's a tall task. Likely Alabama State is going to have to go to the consolation round and defeat Campbell. But you're looking at them at least playing Friday and Saturday. They might be able to knock off Campbell. Then that brings you back to whoever wins between Tennessee and Georgia Tech. But I think it's likely that, you know, Tennessee being one of the I think I think they might be the number one team in the country as far as baseball goes. So that that's a super tall tale. A tall task. It's 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 going to be very difficult. And I think I wouldn't be shocked to see Alabama State lose. Now they can pull off an upset. That they pull off an upset. That's crazy. That's that's a crazy, that's a crazy big win right there. And that's just sending shockwaves through the baseball community. But for what it's worth, is double elimination. We'll at least see them play two two games versus Tennessee and whoever the winner or loser is of the next game. And who knows? They might be able to make it to day three. This is, this is a big-time game, so we've seen where they've been. We've seen the road to the SWAT championship. Now we know the road that they are going to have to travel going forward. And I want to make a quick announcement, and I'll do it at the beginning of tomorrow's episode just so I can be safe. I forgot to do it at the beginning of this one. But we are kind of downshifting. So in this month, we're going to have about three episodes a week. Um, we'll probably just go ahead and finish out this week with Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then next week, they'll have we'll have three days probably Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That's likely how we'll do it. But it could be any three days and maybe more depending on what's going on. But we'll for sure do three days. Instead of every every day, it might be every other day. So look out for us Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And if anything pops off big in between, then I'll also touch on that at that time. But I appreciate you guys for understanding, being patient. Now, continue making us your first listen of the day. Any day that you see it, you'll see me tweet. You'll see the notification. So make sure that up so you don't miss an episode. 
Make us your first listen of the day. Anytime you see that, click, 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 click. Now for your second listen of the day, make sure that you're checking out the Locked On NBA Big Boards podcast. You're going to have Leif Thulin, Sam Ferris, Richard Stamen, and Rafael Barlow, who are all going to be talking about the NBA draft cycle, NBA mock drafts, and of course, NBA Big Boards. It's really that simple. Make sure you're checking them out. And in the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.